0: And before we dive in and look at our first video, I actually want to invite you to uh, reach into your program guides and pull out your outline this morning. Make sure you have a a pen that works. You know, we just sang an incredibly beautiful song called It's All Because of Jesus. In fact, it's all because of Jesus um, that I have the privilege of serving and doing what I do and have experienced life in Christ. On this planet, and it's all because of Jesus that we have salvation, it's all because of Jesus that we have forgiveness, forgiveness from our sins, and it's all because of Jesus that we are offered life to the full, not only here on this planet, but also in eternity, and it's all because of him uh, that we serve him and follow his lead. And so this morning I want to look at some scriptures along with you. They're right on the inside. If you want to go ahead and open up your outline, on the inside of your guide. And here at Daybreak, uh, we are motivated to, it's actually part of our vision statement, we are motivated to contribute to God's work. And if I could add a tag word on the end of that, contribute to God's work globally. Uh, we believe that he's asked us to contribute to his work locally, both here in our church family and in our communities, but also around the world. And there's some, um, there's some vital truths that we live by, and one of the things that motivates us is that we don't want there to be one person on the planet that hasn't had the chance to hear the good news of Jesus and be changed by his truth and grace just like we have and so we follow his lead where he takes us globally so that there wouldn't be anyone without, that, without access to the good news. So let's take a, a, a very brief look at some of these scriptures. The first one is from Ephesians 1, and it tells us, In him, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Will you circle a couple words for me? Will you circle the word redemption and then also circle the word forgiveness? Now let's take a look uh, at the very words of Jesus that he shared with us while he was here on this earth. Is from uh, John 10.10. 10. And John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Also circle the word life, and then that phrase that says to the full, life to the full. And Jesus has chosen to use us, his church, he's chosen to use us to be instruments of his love, to be instruments of his grace, to people all over the planet, and that people from every nation, every tribe and tongue, like another scripture tells us in the book of Revelation, will one day be present around the throne room for all of eternity in heaven. And we'll all get to experience these very things that what we just circled, we'll all be able to experience his redemption, forgiveness, and the fullness of life. And so Jesus again encouraged us uh, right before he left the planet. Uh, he was talking to his disciples, but his words were also intended for future followers of Christ. And I want to read you this last refra- verse from Acts 1.8. And Jesus said, but you, my church, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and where? Circle this phrase, to the ends of the earth. It is because of these truths, Guys and the hundreds and hundreds of others that you can find all throughout the Old and New Testaments throughout Scripture um, that motivate us as a Daybreak family to strategically partner with with organizations, long-term workers around the world who are doing things long-term to reach some of these least-reached peoples. And we're motivated to partner with them in what they're doing because we believe in what they're doing to serve God. And so our prayer this morning is that This service will be a testimony to God. It will be a testimony to Jesus' power and how he is working around the world, how he's choosing to uniquely use this family to do that. So let's take a look at this first video together.
1: Hi, my name's Deborah Tan, and I am the Director of Short-Term Missions at Daybreak Church in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. We feel like God's given us four specific areas around the world um, to have long-term partners with. We contact our global partners every year and see if sending short term teams would fit in their strategic plan and if it does we prepare and train a team to go and serve them in whatever way they need.
2: Inkeling called
0: daybreak asking them to put a team together to send them to a village called Payas in the jungle
3: and I was part of that team last year. My wife Laura and I desired to uh, just be involved in another missions trip together. So
2: we went and then we just felt God's calling to come back this year to continue to build the relationships that we formed last year.
4: I have a desire for international missions so this opportunity came up and God just called this into my life and now I'm in Ecuador and just seeing the reality of missions and what that requires and the willingness and sacrifice.
5: I served with Inka Link last year uh, with a team from my church who went down to Quito. I heard that they were sending another team down to Ecuador this year so I was like, okay.
1: I think one of the things um, that I'm privileged to be part of is a church family who's not only passionate about um, allowing people to partner with, with God's doing it in the world, but they're passionate about doing it well. We invest a lot of time, um, talent, and resources in training our teams.
6: Most of them I knew before the, before we started having the team meetings and stuff. Some of them I met the first team meeting. Everybody's such a big motivation to work hard through the heat and the rain and, and uh, just to to drive each other uh, to the goal at the end. It's just amazing to see how all
3: of us can come together, even though we don't really know each other that well, but just in the few times that we were together, that we were able to just bond, especially now that we're here.
4: You learn about yourself and about others, about their strengths and weaknesses and spiritual gifts, and what I've learned the most is about the body of Christ, um, how we all come together with different strengths and um, but one purpose, and. We've been achieving so much um, in the jungle, like digging up the trench and now we're filling it um, to doing VBS, so it's been awesome to um, see what that is and what that looks like.
1: The teams are changed when they're on the field and those people individually come home with a renewed passion for what God is doing around the world and that kind of catches fire in our church. I felt like last
3: year
5: people in chaos
1: were really on my mind, they were heavy on my
3: we both encountered that last year um, coming back from Paos and just uh, seeing the different conditions living down here
7: I think it's going to be hard
6: to adjust to the distractions uh, where the only distraction we have is is each other here and at the work um, and, and hear God's voice in such a, an incredible place uh, is a lot easier here than you know at home
3: we definitely uh, question ourselves what it means to live more simply.
4: I think once I settle back into my routine of going to school, um, being with my friends, um, I think that's where the difficulty will come into, but um, I'm just praying for clarity that God will just continue to show me how to live missionally in Ohio. I would not
1: consider a trip successful unless everybody went home with something that God spoke to them that they had to apply in their life at home.
0: We will continue to support people financially for missions, and we would be willing to go on other missions trips in the future.
8: I hope to continue to give
6: on a, on a monthly basis, but then also be able to come back and, and serve in the field. I'll probably
3: come on more trips, uh, I'm thinking about
5: interning with Link at some point.
4: I hope God blesses me with another trip to um, come and serve somewhere, maybe Peru and Ecuador again, or another great country. but hopefully to support financially, but also be there. (laughs) We
3: do want to return whenever we do get the opportunity and God calls us.
1: It's just beautiful to see how God can change people in in just 10, 15 short days.
4: I'm excited for the rest of the summer and just to interact with the children and seeing their smiles on their faces really brings joy to me and just um, reminds me that I am making a difference.
0: so meet this year's Ecuador team. This is uh, on stage with me today, and I actually did not serve with this team. Uh, Deb Tan, our director of short-term trips, uh, led this team with Matt Boyer and with Scott Weaver, and she is hosting at the other campus, and it is just really my privilege to introduce them to you today, and though they're not all here, the rest of them are serving at the Good Hope Road campus. You can see everyone uh, on the screens here, uh, but we, what we wanted to do in this morning service is not only give you a chance to see and meet uh, those who traveled on our different teams, but also 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 to hear a little bit about what we did in each of our countries and to also take a moment to pray over the different locations where we served uh, this video, it was, it was cool. We wanted to show it to you because it was not made by us. It was made by one of the interns that these guys worked with over the summer, and they, he enjoyed the, his time with them so much he asked if they could, he could kind of use this as a project, and so we said yes. <laughs> um, but it was really a testimony uh, to some of the neat things that happened down there. And you also might have seen reference to an organization called IncaLink. Uh, IncaLink is a nonprofit organization that was started by our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, but it's led by uh, Ecuadorian leaders uh, for for many reasons, but one of the primary goals is to be able to host teams like us so that we have a chance to partner with what God's doing in Ecuador. And so IncaLink, Link, and that name that you saw smattered over that video, is the kind of sub-organization that we partnered with through our denomination this summer. And so uh, in Wadi Cocha specifically, so let me tell you, this team is actually kind of two-in-one. They trained as one team and traveled as one team, uh, but they served in two different capacities. They served together in a town called Wadi Cocha, and when they were in Wadi Cocha, they were able to help build a mission school and the mission school is a really beautiful opportunity because it's in the jungle and so some of the up-and-coming leaders who they feel are leaders who are following God and can equip other Christ followers in the jungle they don't have to leave the jungle and go into the cities to be trained and educated and so this mission school is coming to them and so uh, the team from Wadi Kosha had a chance to uh, work on that school that week and then some of them left to come home and the rest went on to pay us into the jungle. And so you're going to hear a little bit about uh, what we did in both of those villages. And so I've asked Matt to share a little bit about what they did in Huaticocha. Uh,
7: yeah, we definitely had the privilege of serving there in Huaticocha with um, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, who are missionaries there in Ecuador. And they have a vision for a mission school there in the jungle. And so it was our privilege to be able to work with them to help make that dream a reality. So we did a lot of work there. We worked really hard from the, from the morning into the early afternoon. We moved dirt around. We dug holes. We laid pipe. We did some painting and some staining inside of the building that that has already been built. Uh, they even handed out machetes to us, and we went out and cut the tall grass. Which they actually gave me one, shockingly enough, and I managed not to injure myself or anyone else. So that that was a minor praise in itself. Uh, we also, in the afternoons, we got to go out into the communities and do Vacation Bible School with the kids there in the community. It was such a blessing to see the smiles on their faces and. Uh, it was really neat uh, for me serving on this team because it was really, uh, it, made a, it made an impact serving the people of Ecuador, but it also made a huge, huge impact on me the way this team served together. So it was not only the people that we served, but it was also the people that we served with that made a huge impact in Ecuador this summer.
0: Yeah, and so then um, when the other half of the team continued on into Payas, um, there's a little backstory here. About two years ago, we were contacted by our partners that Mark, uh, Matt mentioned, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, and they had been reaching out to an indigenous kind of remote uh, group of Indian people in the jungles of Ecuador, and they had been pretty resistant to the gospel, but they felt that it was time to invite a short-term team in. We bring um, a special presence uh, to to the area and they that they needed, and so they invited us to come. They called us up. They said, uh, "We want you, to, you guys, to be the ones that partner with us," and so. A year ago, uh, Mike Sponsler and our lead pastor, Joel Smith, led the very first team uh, that Mark and Cheryl had ever taken in to the village of Payas, and it was on that trip that, for the very first time, 13 people asked Jesus to be their leader and forgiver, and we saw some incredible life change on that trip last year, and so they wanted us to come back, and so we came back this summer, and uh, Laura and her husband, Sean, who's over here, uh, had the privilege of being a part of both of those Payos teams, and so I've asked Laura to tell us a little bit about what Payas looked like this year. This year in Payas, um, our first full day there, we, there was baptisms. Twelve people were baptized. Scott had the privilege of helping our international worker baptize those twelve people, new believers, and along with Kelly
2: from our team was baptized there as well. Uh, later that evening, there was a double wedding, and my husband and I, we got a unique opportunity to stand for one of the couples in their wedding as their godparents or wedding mentors. Um, we also had Vacation Bible
0: School for the kids. That was just awesome and amazing to see them and just interact and sing songs and um, teach them Bible lessons. Uh, we also helped local Payos farmers just work in their fields. And in general, we were just there to serve with whatever
2: they needed done. Um, and also, three people accepted Christ for the first time this year, and one person rededicated his life to Christ.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So I've asked Scott uh, Weaver to please lead us all in a prayer of blessing over the people of Ecuador. Thank you, Scott.
9: Let's pray. Father God, thank you, first of all, for allowing us to be a part of what you are doing in Ecuador. We were able to see a lot of things that you had uh, been doing over many years that have come to fruition while we were there. Thank you so much for the opportunity to see what you do. Father, I pray for Mark and Cheryl, for Jim and Ulysses, who are uh, serving you in these different remote villages. And I pray uh, for protection, for health um, over them. Father, I pray encouragement that you would bring people around them to encourage them and strengthen them, that they may continue your work uh, with the people in Ecuador. Father, I pray for the Bible School in Huatacocha that you would help uh, the workers there as they are building, that the materials would come in, that uh, buildings would go up uh, quickly, and that it would be ready soon. And I pray for those that, that are going to be students there, that would be learning your truths and how to, uh, how to share and to work as missionaries out in the villages around the area. So I just pray for those that will be there Father, I thank you also for payos and for the uh, opportunity we had there. I pray for the people there, for Martin and Clementina, Avelino, Pablo, Flor, and Patricia, and others that have accepted you and and are trying to learn what it looks like for them to have you be the leader of their life and to uh, forgive their sins. And I just pray, Father, that you would um, strengthen them. I pray for health on that village. I pray for those that don't know you, that you would continue to soften their hearts and bring them to a a knowledge of you. And Father, for those that are in the uh, other villages around the area that got to see the weddings and the baptisms, I pray that you would be opening doors to those villages that Mark and Cheryl and Jim and Ulysses will be able to go in and, and share your love with those other people. So I pray your blessing on them. Father, thank you once again for what you are doing in the world, in Ecuador, in our lives. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, guys.
10: So it it had been 17 years since I'd been on a cross-cultural mission trip. And I've always wanted to go to Africa. So I was really excited about the possibility of going to Africa. So meanwhile, my oldest son, Hunter, um, had just gotten permission for uh, from us to go on the DSM trip to North Carolina. As we went along, we found out that it was going to conflict with our um, annual family camp. I had to give Hunter the bad news <laughs> that we didn't want him to go on that. And um, I came up with a creative solution uh, for it. and basically asked him if he gave up his time with his friends on this mission trip, that I would sacrifice going to Africa this time, and together we would go and serve in Ecuador. Fundraising was always something that was frowned on for me growing up from my family, and so it was really uncomfortable sending out support letters. Um, However, I just out support letters Um, however I just trusted our leaders that uh, they knew what they were talking about by saying that people wanted to contribute and come alongside us and experience the trip with us by helping us get there so I sent out um, support letters and uh, sure enough checks started trickling in we were blessed by every um, every gift that came in we knew some of the people were in the same boat as we were and so it was just um, really beautiful that people were supporting us like that and we had a couple um, unexpected anonymous donations that just really were selfless and uh, humbling to us um did drive me a little crazy because I wanted to be able to thank them and I didn't know who they were. So thank you. <laughs> our faith and trust continued to uh, grow in Ecuador as we watched God provide in ways that were also incredible. It was a, a welcome sight when we our canoe pulled up to the shores of Payas. There on the cliff are all these tribes people adults and children alike of the shawar indians and they just ran to greet us at that time we saw a girl on the the cliff on the shores that had a um, a dirty pillowcase dress on and her arm was all all bandaged the whole upper arm was bandaged we just made them note that we all wanted to see what was going on there and so as we were getting ready and settling into our quarters, um, this eight-year-old little girl, Nayeli, um, came in to be examined. After unwrapping um, the bandages that were just seat and had stuck to her arm, they were just glued as part of her arm. Uh, Laura saw that there was a, a uh, burn wound that was festering underneath it. And all we had was a little first aid kit, and she basically took a clean toothbrush and, and scraped away the dead skin off of Nialli's arm. Um, she then uh, used antiseptic cleaner and cleaned the wound and then freshly bandaged it back up. And it just really struck me during this time that um, Nali was so brave, we all fell in love with Nali. Uh, she always had a beautiful radiant smile. And my love for Naele uh, grew every day I and mean, we were just daily companions and um, the the language barrier just wasn't an issue because our love and our, the smiles and the embraces—it um, just translated, whether we understood each other's language or not. I pleaded with God to um, to have her wound scab over before we left, just to give me that peace of mind that um, she would be okay. Uh, but the healing was slow; it didn't scab over, and I realized that. Um, My purpose for being there wasn't to heal Nayeli's physical wounds, it was just to love her and I love her and I know that uh, my presence wasn't needed and isn't needed for the healer to work. So I continued to pray for Nayeli and um, know that that the God who cared about uh, my sons and my funds to be able to go, and the God who created Nayeli cares more about her than I could ever care about her.
0: Cheryl's story is just one example of the many, many stories of life change uh, that happened in the hearts of our short-termers, and you'll be hearing more about them here in the coming moments. Uh, But we also wanted to uh, help you take a deep breath and to also uh, invite you to laugh with us a little bit on our short-term trips. We laugh a lot. We build a lot of family together and community. We enjoy life together literally 24-7. And you just have to laugh about some things. And so here is just a little glimpse at one of the funny moments that happened with the Ecuador team.
7: Okay, so it was about day three when we were in Ecuador. We were in a place called Huatacocha. And we'd been serving there for a few days. And we had dug out this huge ditch. And now we were laying down pipe in it.
2: And it was actually probably the first day that that was really working.
7: And there was a storm that was coming and the wind was starting to blow in the trees and so it was only myself and Jen and we were were over there working because the rest of the team was over, I don't know what they were doing.
2: And um, all of a sudden the wind started picking up and
7: I'm kind of pulling the dirt in and Jen's up top breaking up the dirt so that I can pull the loose dirt down into the ditch. So
2: we were trying to dig faster and get the dirt filled in before the storm came. And
7: there comes this really big gust of wind and so I look up at Jen And right as I look up at Jen,
2: out of nowhere, this ginormous branch smacks me in the back.
7: Now, I know my wife and goes flying through the air and like whacks her right in the back.
2: At first, I thought, who throws a branch? And so I was all upset and I turned around and when I turned around, there was this group of Ecuadorian workers laughing.
7: And when it happened, I saw the whole thing happen and I watched the expression on... So it was about day three.
2: First, I thought, who throws a branch? And so I was all upset and I turned around and when I turned around, there was this group of Ecuadorian workers laughing.
7: And when it happened, I saw the whole thing happen and I watched the expression on Jen's face. And it was like, that moment that that branch hit her back, she was like, I'm gonna kill somebody. And Jen, oblivious to what actually happened, turns around and looks and sees five or 6 Ecuadorian workers sitting there staring at her laughing. Now, hopefully there was not going to be an international incident. Man, we're about to have a throwdown. Because, again, I know my wife. And and so she slowly, like, turns around like this. She's turning around, and she realizes as she's turning, oh, nobody actually threw that branch at me. It just blew off of the
8: tree. you got to watch out for my wife. Don't ever throw anything at her back. (laughs)
0: that's great, and thank you all for your patience, uh, with our videos this morning, but we, uh, it is now my privilege to introduce you guys to the Biloxi team, and I did have the privilege of co-leading this team with Robin Kaplan, and yeah, these guys are here worship here, and again, you can see the entire team, the rest of them are over at Good Hope Road this morning, uh, but we had an incredible experience, and we want to give you a little taste of what life looked like for us, and so I've asked Alicia, uh, who got to travel with her husband Jason, and actually Matt and Lisa both got to travel as a married couple. too. I got the two married couples right here, um, but they got to travel as a a married couple. And so I've asked Alicia just to give us a little glimpse into what our life looked like, what we did when we were in Biloxi. And then I've also asked Jason just to pray a prayer blessing uh, over the
2: people in Biloxi. Good morning. Am I good? Okay. All right. Great. Um, Well, as most of you probably remember, on August 29th, 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit the coasts of Louisiana and Mississippi. The hurricane caused unprecedented destruction and devastation across the region to hundreds of thousands of homes since that time daybreak has sent six teams down to the gulf coast region and partner and we have partnered with different organizations that specialize in the rebuilding efforts we were that sixth team that went to biloxi mississippi this past may and we partnered with habitat for humanity on the first day there we were in new orleans and we got to enjoy some of the local food which you'll hear a little bit more about in a few minutes And then we also did a Katrina tour, uh, where we got to see firsthand the devastation as well as the rebuilding efforts. Then we moved on to Biloxi, Mississippi, where we began serving at two different homes. We were one team in two locations. (laughs) So we had worked on two different homes, like I said. One was a brand new build, and one was what Habitat calls a rehab, which is where they work to rehabilitate an existing home. Our days would start pretty early, and after breakfast and prayer, we would head to the job site, and we were there from about 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. doing whatever the Habitat crew asked of us. We knocked down walls, we hung soffit, we uh, removed mold, we sanded, we stained, we painted, we even crawled underneath the house. Whatever we were asked to do, we did. And although there is still a lot of work to be done in the Gulf Coast region, we just are very grateful that we got to, to play just a small role in that.
11: Uh, I'd like to invite each of you to join me as we pray together for the people of Bluxy and the entire Gulf Coast. Let us pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you for all the resources and blessings that you provide to us you are a good god and even with devastation and tragedies such as hurricane katrina we can see your hand at work in what's being done there there's been physical and emotional healing and people have sought you you teach us to support each other through sharing and serving and we're grateful that teams from daybreak have been able to go out and help others and be your hands and feet in serving others we ask you to be with the people of Biloxi and the Gulf Coast and provide for their resources. Be with each and every one of them, fathers, mothers, children, brothers and sisters. Each and every one of them are your, your, your children. We ask you to just provide for everything they need, all of their needs, and um, we ask, uh, just finally, that uh, as more work needs to be done there, that you oversee that, that uh, people give of their time and resources And that uh, the rebuilding continues. And most importantly, that people develop closer relationships with you. And if they don't know you, that they seek you and find you and uh, get to know you, Lord. We know all this can be done through you. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen.
2: Thank you, guys. God
12: worked an amazing miracle in my heart and in my life while I was down in Biloxi and it was a culmination of a life a life journey. I was five years old, and it's one of my first very strong conscious memories is my mom left our family to go with another man. I can just remember kicking and screaming as the babysitter drugged me and my sister away, watching my mom load her suitcases into the car and preparing to leave. And that was the first example of a rejection in my life that really, it hurt deep to the core and when when you start off with the one person that should always be by your side and have your back walking away it is impactful and you spend the rest of your life waiting for the next person to, to walk away and I had a very very deep long-term relationship with a man a month before our wedding day he called it off for a, a year I just I called out to God and I know God was with me and I know he was holding me and i know he was crying with me but it was a necessary it was a necessary part of my journey for me to learn to trust god above all when i came to daybreak i was overjoyed so god really kind of put me on this journey of revelation of how much i restricted myself by being guarded and protecting my heart When I was in Ecuador, I had the opportunity to be with some amazing people who really spoke a lot of wisdom into me. I heard the truth that I am a daughter of the King, holy and dearly loved. I am worthy because I'm His. And I accepted that truth. I had not even known that because I was so guarded and because I so protected myself, I would not even allow myself to experience His love. I I was not good enough to let God pour all His love on me. From that point on, when I came back and I had my debrief, I realized, oh my goodness, I'm in a box. I'm living behind a wall. Nobody can get in, which and means I can't really get out, and I'm a prisoner. I went in 2011. I went on the trip to Payos, Ecuador, and that is when God really said, look at what you're depriving yourself of. These people love you, and you can't accept it because you're trying to build this wall to protect yourself and they love you and they're safe and again it God always puts the very right people in my life at the very right time because I was ready to see okay I've accepted God's love but his people want to love me too and they don't want to hurt me they want to love me because I'm his and in that trip I'd like to say yeah the wall came down it did not But I definitely became so cognizant of the fact that I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm a prisoner and I want to be free. And then the Biloxi trip came up. I didn't even really realize initially on the trip that I was different until the night, I believe it was Wednesday night, our leaders, Mel and Robin said, I want you to start thinking about what is your takeaway for this trip? And my initial response was, go for the easy one. Hey, I I had fun. It was great. I got to use power tools. It was a win. And God literally slammed that door in my face and said, that is not authentic. You are not being real. You're taking the easy path. Look around you and see what really have you gained here? What really is your takeaway? And even in preparing for it, I was like, you know what? I, I love these people. These people love me. This group of amazing people that I've served alongside, they love me and I can feel it. I can feel that they love me. But I have to be honest, even in preparing, I didn't get just how free I was because that night when I started to share, I literally could feel the wall was gone. I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. I became aware for the first time since I was that five-year-old little girl that watched her mom drive away, I am free. I feel their love, and because of that, I can love well. I even remember writing in my journal, even though it was late, and even though I was so tired, I had to go back and write in my journal because it was such a huge revelation to me. I wrote in my journal in big letters, In Christ, I am free, and I have been celebrating it since we came back.
3: Praise God. Cool story. So we got to hear a little bit about uh, what the Biloxi team did while they were there, and uh, you got to see one story of life change, but we wanted to give you a chance to, to learn more uh, about the team itself and about uh, their trip, and so we're going to do a little bit of an interview here with uh, someone that you may have seen before, Mel. <laughs> Mel was one of the co-leaders <laughs> of uh, this trip. And, Mel, yeah. we just watched uh, one uh, incredible story of life change from Lisa, but yeah. uh, your entire team came back uh, just yeah. with stories of life change and just experiences that are going to leave an indelible impression on them for the rest of their lives. Um, but what was it about this particular group of people that um, just made this trip so special for you as a leader and uh, gave you such a joy in being able to lead them?
0: Yeah, you know, I've led... Well, it's funny being on this side of the interview, actually. I like that, yeah. Um, But I've led a lot of teams, and every team is so awesome, and like, just cool in their own way. And this particular team was super unified. It was like they all saw each other's differences and personalities, and just embraced it all, and enjoyed each other in their company. Um, This team was really teachable. Like, they came with hungry hearts to hear from God and to hear from each other. And so conversations were driven around a desire to learn and a desire to hear from each other, hear from God. And so it was awesome just in the vans to and from the work sites, uh, around meals, at breaks, late at night after our team debriefs, like any chance they took to just enjoy and share life together with each other for the sake of learning from God and each other. It was just awesome, awesome to, to witness, and it was an honor to lead. As Robin and I were talking and once we got home, like, it was just an incredible team to lead. We we felt like we were the lucky ones to be able to serve with each of them.
3: That's cool. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I think is awesome about the way that uh, we function, our Daybreak Global Ministries functions, is that rather than, um, you know, picking a different location every year and checking out all these different spots, mm-hmm. is that we develop uh, some strategic ongoing partnerships and relationships mm-hmm. with Uh, With long term workers and with organizations. And uh, in this case, uh, with Habitat for Humanity, who we've gone on, what, six trips now with. Um, But you guys actually had an experience this year with your Habitat leader from last year and got to spend a little bit of time with him. So talk a little bit about the impact uh, that that time with him had on your team this year.
0: Yeah, so last year, um, if you guys see the picture on the screen, um, the guy in the middle with the hat on, his name is Mark, and he was our Habitat crew leader from last year. And he still works for Habitat. We didn't have the chance to work with him this year, but he um, is a real jokester last year. He was uh, just great at pushing our our buttons but also great at helping us to enjoy what we were doing and our entire team walked away with a fun week. I think the two words that would have come to our minds were fun and laughter and just an incredible, incredible week. But the other really cool thing that that team did was, which is something that I really love about our whole church family, is that they welcomed him as family And they told him that you are welcome here. We care about you. We love you and your family to us. And he felt that. And his whole crew felt that last year when we were there. And because of that and because we've actually kept in contact with him over the over the uh, forwarding months that he was waiting for us at Habitat when we drove up this, this year and we drove in late and he still was there waiting for us and he was excited to see us but knowing that we wouldn't be serving with him he made it a point to make sure he came and visited us back at our like our living quarters and so the one night early in the week and then this picture was taken that night um, after a great dinner he showed up and what we thought was going to be another hour of just joking and pushing buttons and reliving maybe last year's memories, it turned into a beautiful worshipful moment of him sharing his story of life change with us. And I was so impressed with our team because we were in this old like echoey cafeteria like place and they turned it into a welcoming living room and we all huddled our chairs right around Mark as he began to share his story of life change with us and we were challenged by him and we were encouraged by him and you know that moment would have never happened on the trip had we not been consistently investing in relationship with him and with Habitat over the last few years. And I praise God for our commitment to relationship and to making other people feel a part of our family.
3: It's cool that you guys could kind of, that, that he could feel Daybreak's values even exactly. far away from uh, the walls of Daybreak Church.
0: Exactly, yeah.
3: Well, I know that you could talk for hours about this yeah. trip, him <laughs> the opportunity, and maybe she will if you ask her about it later. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted uh, them to be able to hear uh, the story. Uh, Alicia kind of foreshadowed it a little bit, but mm-hmm. the first night that you guys got there, uh, you and mm-hmm. Robin as co-leaders uh, talked to one of the folks from Habitat and got some surprising news that you weren't really expecting that kind of yeah. shaped the way that the rest of the trip uh, was, was laid out so talk a little bit about that news and and that impact uh, how that impacted your team for the rest of the week
0: yeah so that night that we got in late to habitat um, the crew leaders pulled Robin and I aside and told us that we would actually be serving on two different home at uh, two different homes that weren't near each other and we were surprised because they hadn't forewarned us about it and it, that had never happened to us in years past and so we were surprised and quite frankly a little disappointed if I can be honest um, because we had trained as one team and we had prepared as one team and we just didn't expect to not see each other every day, um, but we knew this is what God was saying, and so Robin and I huddled up, and we prayed over our team. We prayed over both of the sites, and we said, God, will you show us who you want to serve where? And he did, and, uh, but then we had to go and tell everybody. Uh, to us kind of bummer news even though we knew it was God's good news (laughs) Um, and what impressed us the most was the incredible response from our team like when we shared with them that we were going to have to be two crews uh, instead of complaining about it or showing any frustration or fear in their disappointment or anything and we even asked the married couples to be on different teams like everybody embraced the news with more than just grace they embraced it with excitement and they were like hey that means we get to build two homes and that means we get to bless two communities and that means we get to be uh, be a blessing to two homeowners and and it was awesome as a leader to watch the beauty of their reaction to that and we were we were one team in two locations and it was awesome to see God use what was a surprising and maybe disappointing news at first really be his plan all along and be a blessing to the Biloxi region
3: I know you guys really stress flexibility in the planning process and so I'm sure that preparation really helped them to be able to once they got into that moment just feel free to follow yeah well just like uh, the Ecuador team, uh, the Biloxi team had several funny moments and kind of inside jokes and uh, so we wanted you guys to be able to experience part of that as we watch a video called Audible Eating. Check this out. This
6: all started when, um, when we started our Biloxi trip when we were given our sort of agenda and there was like a day and a half in New Orleans which automatically meant food, like lots of food. He was so excited about going to New Orleans because we were going to have all this great food. So. That evolved into a three-step process that became known as audible eating. It started with shrimp and grits on the very first night, and like audible eating is not the actual process of eating; it's what you do to enjoy the food as you're eating.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh,
6: oh. Phase two. This all started when um, when we started our Biloxi trip when we were. He was so excited about going to New Orleans because we're going to have all this great food. So that evolved into a three-step process that became known as audible eating. It started with shrimp and grits on the very first night. And like, audible eating is not the actual process of eating, it's what you do to enjoy the food as you're eating.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh,
6: oh. Phase two was a po'boy, like a real New Orleans po'boy. Not the shrimp one or the fraudulent one, the real one with the roast beef and the gravy
8: so that it runs down your fingers. I look over at him at one point, and his his hands are just loaded with sh- roast beef and sauce and whatever was was part of this. One rule: no napkins, no fork and knife, brother. So, for Some reason I got stuck next to him at every meal, and I really got a firsthand look at what this is. He he has his way of just getting into the food, and when I say getting into it, he's just he's in it practically,
5: like bent over like
6: this, like. He, like, he hasn't eaten in like weeks. And finally, the ultimate was the shed. To paint you a real quick picture of the shed, I don't think there were walls or the roof was, might have been a tarp, but it was uh, one of the most amazing barbecue places and, and some of the most amazing barbecue I've ever had. The man platter has five different kinds of meats and all these side dishes and you only have one rule:
8: No utensils, no napkins, no anything. You just get in there, you eat barbecue like men.
6: That, my friends, is audible eating. And the best audible eating sound
8: is So after packing in all these pounds of meat, the, the only thing left was the next day. And that ended up in the meat sweats.
2: <laughs> Did you hear them? The
0: meat sweats. <laughs> oh, we had them. We had meat sweats, I will um, say. <laughs> Well, uh, we definitely, obviously, you know, had a lot of great times on this trip and laughed together a lot, but this trip, as you heard me just say in the interview, uh, there was a lot of changed lives on this team, and so we wanted to give you a chance to hear from just a few more of them on the impact that this trip had on their journeys.
12: I think one of the things that was most impactful for me on the trip was just meeting the people in the Biloxi region and to this day seven years later they're still rebuilding they're still trying to crawl out of the devastation that happened down there but they have such thankful hearts and they are just so kind to everyone and welcoming and just thank everybody for coming down and still helping out but they all have such a positive outlook on life and they are just so kind to everyone and welcoming, and just thank everybody for coming down and still helping out. But they all have such a positive outlook on life.
8: So, one of the things that really impacted me was uh, when we heard testimony from Mark, who was one of the Habitat for Humanity uh, uh, people that was down there in Biloxi, and uh, he talked about planting seeds. And um, listening to that, I realized that in my own journey, I don't have to do it all myself. I can just be a piece of the process. I can plant a seed here and somebody else can come along and do the cultivating or the watering. And that was just a big eye-opener for me. The trip put a face on suffering for me. Uh, Their suffering, their perseverance,
6: and their humble graciousness and and thankfulness for us coming down to to help out uh, really put a face on suffering worldwide. So the last time that I got to spend a week with people my own age was probably seventh grade, went to a church camp, and, um, and it was a lot of fun, I remember that part. Uh, Biloxi was, was a lot like that, had a lot of fun with a group of people who I really didn't know that well. Um, and, and I think the, the best part, the most impactful part to me was um, just the opportunity to um, learn from them about what God is doing in their lives, and and share that you get a reward out of it you don't go down there expecting to be rewarded you go down there to give and you come away you come away with just uh, wonderful memories and just a feeling that you are doing God's work and it's just so awesome
11: something um, that I thought was just wonderful uh, about our trip to Biloxi and and I think this is common amongst all of the daybreak uh, missions trips is the affirmation time at the end of the day Um, I, I can't put in the words how powerful that was for each of us.
2: So what impacted me most um, in terms of our Bilexi trip was getting to serve with my husband. and the experience just really helped us to grow together um, just in our faith as a couple and as well individually and it was just a wonderful experience getting to to serve with each other and I think it really strengthened our marriage.
6: I found. Exactly what I was looking for when I went down to Biloxi. I found true Servants in the most humble God-filled way that I could have ever imagined. I found it in young people And it, in, it has truly inspired me to find more of that true servitude that they um, Possess that they exhibit and that they pass along to us. I have found that in my life through them and that to me was the true blessing of my experience in Biloxi. I'd like to say thank you to Daybreak for continuing to open the door until I had the courage to walk through. Thank you.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. All right well we have celebrated a lot of stories from short-termers and how God used them and changed their own lives but there's something really special that happens when one of our global partners who lives and works on the field long-term shares their perspective on what our teams have done to really partner with them and the blessing that has come from our partnership. And so this next, this next video is, is a really special one to me because our partner in Ecuador, Mark Schaefer, who you've heard us mention several times already this morning, uh, after our teams left Ecuador, th- he wrote a, an email uh, it was really a letter of praise to God to, that He then sent to His prayer partners and supporters, uh, thanking them for praying and using this letter as a celebration of what God did uh, with both our Wadi Kocha and our Payos teams, and it. it I just could not let the morning go on without sharing with you his letter and because that letter also came to the desk of Pastor Joel, our lead pastor. And so this next video shows you uh, Pastor Joel receiving that letter of praise to God and uh, please celebrate with us as we uh, point to Jesus with what he did through Ecuador.
5: shall rejoice in him, Psalm 33, 21. A week ago Saturday, my heart was rejoicing in him as I stood on the Sharapuno River. I was looking up on the bank at 12 Shuar Indians who were preparing their hearts to be baptized. Among them were two couples who had been living together for over 10 years. They would be married later that night, and so there were many guests from neighboring communities, some from the Makas area, seven from Mechanicsburg, PA, the Daybreak Alliance Church. Daybreak has brought teams the last five years to Ecuador. We have come to love them like family. Deborah Tan, who is on the mission staff there, does an outstanding job preparing and leading teams, and we look forward to their help each year. Her 14-year-old daughter, Kelly, believes the Lord is calling her to missions. Therefore, she wanted to be baptized with the others to say yes to the Lord. One by one, they came to the river's edge and shared their hearts. Pablo, a strong hunter, began to speak and knelt forward, crying, saying, I confess that I've been a terrible sinner. I've been on the wrong road my entire life, and I believed in Jesus and he's changed me and he has helped me be on the road that leads to heaven. His bride floor later said, I lived for fiestas and to do bad things. Now I see there's a better way. Jesus is the way. He gives us a happy life and a better life. The school teacher, Avellino, holding his fists out, gripped tight, said, I've beaten my wife, and I've always been drinking and wasting my family's money on alcohol. But God has forgiven me, He's changed me, and I'm grateful to Him. Scott Weaver, a professor at Messiah College, helped me baptize them one by one. All of them had tears in their eyes. Lucio and Luciano are 11-year-old twins. They wanted to be baptized arm-in-arm, arm, so we baptized them together. Up on the bank were the Warrani Indians from nearby, and all the other guests and members of the community from Peas watching and listening. It was a powerful moment, and the Lord's presence was with us. Three brothers who were watching later that night after the wedding came forward to receive Christ. Ulysses gave a wonderful message and an invitation. The brides wore white gowns, and we were so excited. Daybreak, Cheryl Fell and Kelly did a wonderful sacred dance to the song, Oh, How He Loves Us, and everyone pressed in to watch them. Later in the week, they began to teach the Warani uh, women, Gladys and the Shu'ar sister, Clementina, the dance. When you think about the five missionaries who were martyred years ago, watching this scene was one of the most beautiful things I've witnessed in all of my life. Today, let our hearts rejoice in Him. Love, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer.
0: I stand up here before you this morning, uh, a really... Proud director of Global Ministries, and um, I'm really proud of our church family for being one that stands and with without reserve, saying that we will contribute to God's work globally. We will be a family that teams with God somewhere in the world, and I'm really proud of our teams who have traveled in the past and traveled this summer to take that step of faith and serving. And Mark Schaefer, wherever you are in Ecuador tonight. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story with us today as we celebrated. You know, there was something really cool about Mark's letter that I want to point out. If you, if you don't know the history uh, there in Ecuador, but uh, in the early 1950s, there was a group of five men who were international workers here from the States who were called to serve in the jungles of Ecuador, and they were called to reach out to a group of several groups of Indian tribes uh, who had never ever even heard the name of Jesus, like did not know who he was and what he did for them, and so they followed in obedience to God's call in their life to share that message uh, with these Indian tribes, and they were martyred uh, for their work amongst those people uh, with spears. You may be familiar with the movie that came out a few years ago called The End of the Spear. It shares the, their story. But it was in that same region, the same jungles of Ecuador, where our teams got to serve these past couple years. And to know that you know, God had been pursuing the Ecuadorian people for decades and decades, hundreds of years, he'd been pursuing them and still is pursuing them. And then the fact that God asked us to join him in all that, like the blessing, of seeing not only 13 people last year give their life to Christ for the first time, but three more this year, and then to see them in the river being baptized. What a testimony of God's pursuit of us. And not only is he pursuing people in Ecuador, but he's pursuing people in Biloxi, Mississippi, in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. He's pursuing people in so many of the other areas of partnership where we, we have in Cambodia, and East Asia, and Haiti, and the list goes on. Our fingers are... And our relationships reach so many different parts of the world, but strategically where we have relationships. And before I challenge you, Daybreak, uh, to take, consider taking your next step in what God's doing around the world in short-term missions, I have to take a moment and just thank you please, on behalf of me and my entire Global Ministries team, thank you for all the ways you've already partnered with us, ways that you've already teamed with what God's doing. It's because of you. It's because of your prayers. It's because of your contributions. It's because of your support. It's because of your belief in us and your love for us and the fact that you sent us. We are ascending church. I love that we send people short-term and long-term and come alongside of them and using our roles and the unique things that God's called us to so that people who've never heard the name of Jesus can be reached. Thank you for the things you've already done to be ascending church. I, from the bottom of my heart, I can't tell you how appreciative I am and proud I am. And thank you. But I also, uh, after an incredible morning like this, will be crazy to not challenge you, right? (laughs) To challenge you to consider what your next step uh, in short term might be. And I have to ask you this question. Might next year just be your year to go? Is 2013 the year that God asks you to join him and to follow him and train with a group of people right here from your own family and become flexible and do whatever it takes uh, to serve those around the world? And so I have to tell you that we don't know exactly where we're going yet. I said this in the first service as well, and I still have people coming up to ask me, where are we going? (laughs) I don't know yet, exactly, but I do know that it's going to be to some of the same places that we already go, because we're committed to the long-term relationships that we have in Cambodia, and in the Middle East, and in Ecuador, and in East Asia, and maybe the Philippines or Haiti, where we have long-term workers. You know, we're excited about wherever those places are, but they're going to be familiar places, and so in December, you're going to get a list of where we're headed, and then when you start to hear us talk about these trips again in January, and we invite you out to the info meetings, come, and come remembering what it was that God spoke to you here today. Come remembering how he nudged you, how he encouraged you, um, how he might have pushed your heart to consider being on one of our teams to find out about these trips that we're going to be taking in 2013. And so before we give you a chance to respond personally, I just want to pray, pray for you, pray a blessing over you. So will you join me in prayer, please? Lord, you are doing some amazing things around the world. And with over 7 billion people on the planet, we'll never know everything that's happening. And we'll never get to be a part of everyone's life. But we do want to be a part of the lives to which you've called us to join you. And so thank you for the privilege of the strategic partners you have given us. Thank you for the privilege of partnering with them and seeing your hand at work in the lives of so many people in our country and around the world. And Lord, I pray a blessing over our church family as we each consider to take our next steps in our journey with you and in teaming with you because you don't want there to be anyone on the entire planet that hasn't had the chance to know and love you like we do. And so, Lord, we will follow you wherever you lead, and we love you, and we thank you and celebrate, and as the psalm says, it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory forever and ever, and it is to your name that we give all praise and glory for anything good that came out of this summer's trips. We honor you, we worship you today, and we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of getting just to be a part of what it is you're doing on this planet. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.